All right, so this is my son Samuel for those who last night he uh, lost his rubber chicken, uh, but he his, his rubber chicken is found now. So he left the 99 chickens to find the one here. So uh, would you like to tell your joke, Sir Samuel? Well, it's a new joke. Wolf the cow. Wolf the cow and jump over the moon. Because he knew a rubber chicken. He knew a rubber chicken? There we go. Hey, would you, would you pray for our service tonight? Jesus, I pray for all of them um, um, are different and they have a good time and we have know Jesus in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, I think that belongs to him. Yeah. Yeah. My son is five years old, and he loves the Lord. He has a real tender heart for the Lord. And um, I'm just, people look at me like I, I had something to do with it when it was, it's really just uh, the Lord. <laughs> Um, but, uh, he's turning six in like a couple days. So just so proud of him. This is the first ministry trip that we've done together, just us two. And so we, we have just done some great bonding, but before we go into the message, uh, I just had, I was, I was praying, um, to the Lord. And, uh, for those of you, first of all, if, if this is your first night here with us at Tabernacles, welcome everyone. Uh, just give a, a warm welcome to our friends. We're so happy and glad that that everyone is here and uh, just just feel like it's family. And um, and I, I you know one of the things that uh, the Lord highlighted yesterday was uh, when the alabaster jar was poured out upon Jesus, uh, that he was. Uh, he was sitting before a set table, and I, I just felt so moved uh, before we did anything else. Uh, I know we just did worship, but I, I just wanted to set a table corporately before Jesus. Is, is that okay? Can we corporately just pour out an alabaster jar? And uh, I, I really, I really want us to just focus on Him. So if you could just close your eyes. And even picture yourself serving Jesus at the table. And you have your own alabaster jar. It's costly. It costs you everything. It's your very life. And you're approaching Jesus and you're you're just, you're seeing his worth. And I want to just pr- play this song. And, and I want to allow the Holy Spirit just to provoke a spontaneous worship in his heart. In, in, in our hearts because he is the most important thing tonight. He's the most important thing. He's the most important thing we could take away tonight. His worth, right? So if we don't accomplish that, we've accomplished nothing. So if if you could just uh, begin that music, and I want us to engage. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to bow before him, however you want to do it, however you want to pour out that alabaster jar, I want to. I want him to feast upon our, our worship. I want an incense to rise to him. Go ahead and.
play that music.
Why did I do that to myself? <laughs> I'm a mess now. Imagine losing everything. He says, you're beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful, Lord. You're so beautiful, God. The way you love us, the way you sanctify us, Lord. You're so gentle and kind. You never let go of us, Lord. No wonder why the nations love you. You translate into every tribe, tongue, and nation, and the testimony rings true. Jesus, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Your grace is transcendent amongst the cultures of the universe, amongst worldviews, God. You are the matchless God. You are the matchless God. Nothing can compare to you, Jesus. We make you the most important thing. We make you the most important thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man. Help me, God. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Oh. Sometimes it's okay to just <laughs> it seems so cheap sometimes compared to his own his beauty. Uh, just want to exhort just everyone who just rededicated their lives to the Lord. There was a lot of rededications yesterday, and there's, there's no like super Christian in this room. There's no one that just gets it right and is born with good blood so they can walk out the Ten Commandments perfectly. The secret is that. The secret is every day getting on your knees and drinking from the well of Jesus, allowing the master potter to do his work within your life. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. It was created for broken men and women like you and I. There's no superstars that come in. It's, in fact, Jesus rejected the, the superstars. <laughs> Jesus rejected them and said, said you, you already have your righteousness. You, you go ahead and see how that fares at the judgment seat. <laughs> but for the rest of you, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, those are the ones that are qualified for me. Come to me. He says, all who are heavy laden, all who are weary, right? He didn't say all who have it all together, all who are self-righteous. He says the qualifications are, are you weary? All right, you're good. <laughs> are you heavy laden? Perfect. Come on in. And he says, come to me and learn this of me. Meaning, you weren't born with this knowledge. The enemy has done a good job deceiving us, thinking that he is some, like, 
haughty God that wants to bash us over the head or just shame us and and like you, you should have known better. And, and, and the truth is he knows that we are but dust. He knows what we're made of. And he says, listen, you have to learn this of me. You have to learn this. You can't just even learn this from a preacher. You have to learn this by coming to him, right? There's only one way to learn this of him, and that's to come to him and find out how gentle he really is. Find out how lowly. He says, learn this of me, that I'm gentle and I'm lowly of heart, and you can find rest for your souls. The secret to walking out a Christian walk, faithful Christian walk, is you continually live at his feet in devotion. That's the number one thing. You do that you and you don't quit, you win. It's so simple. You you go at his feet every single day and you find your nourishment from him in his scripture, in his word, and you allow his rhema to wash over you and you don't give up, you win. You win. He who endures to the end shall be what? Shall be saved. I came into the relationship with so much baggage. Amen? Can anybody wave a witness at me? <laughs> with so much baggage. So much baggage. And I came in, I, I was a boxer. I was an amateur boxer, so my whole worldview was, I'm going to fight the good fight. I found that scripture. I said, that's my scripture. And the, the, the enemy <laughs> did me a couple blows, but I never gave up. He's, he's knowing I'm preaching good. <laughs> oh, Samuel. I, my fa- one of my favorite scriptures is Micah 7, 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, for when I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. So I, I, saw, I, saw, like, I literally, when I entered into the kingdom, I was supernaturally, sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit. We didn't believe that at the church I was going to. And and it was like the, I was I was at this place in my life where I realized that my life was spiraling out of control and I would have been either an addict and end up dead or in jail or Jesus was real. And I said, Jesus, you either encounter me or I'm going to walk completely away. I don't want just to walk down the altar, say a sinner's prayer, and nothing change. Lord, If you, I'll give you everything. I will completely serve you. I just need to know you're really real and you really want me. And Jesus said, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. I'll take it. My broken me, I'll take it. Radically baptized me in the Holy Spirit for three hours. And all I could think about was, he loves me. And it was suddenly, I, I finally got the gospel. I didn't have what it took. I didn't have what it took. I didn't keep my end of the deal. I didn't keep my end of the bargain. I didn't have what it took to accomplish what I told him I was I was going to accomplish. I was still a messed up soul. I failed. I just wanted him. That's all I, I did in the equation. And Jesus says, it's okay. I'll come the rest of the way. I want you. I want you. I want you. I'm jealous for your heart. 
And that is what produces the alabaster jar flowing, right? I said, for the rest of my life, you have me. That was close to 20 years ago now. And I'm still as on fire as I was the first day. And you should have seen the, the places that I took him because I was so messed up. Amen, Matt? <laughs> Amen? But guess what? He won. <laughs> he won. And he will always win. You don't give up. You stay at his feet. And you will win. <laughs> That's called good news. That's called really good news. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel, you know, this walk is about us realizing that we don't have what it is. He glories in our weakness. This is, this, it's like the upside down kingdom. He glories in our weakness and he humbles the proud and strong. The professed strong. He, he gives grace to the humble, but he humbles the proud. Right? So he says, okay, okay, if you want to do it your way, then I'm going to humble you so that I can give you grace when you're humbled. <laughs> you're either going to walk away or else I'm going to give you grace, but we'll see where your heart's at once you're humbled. <laughs> but God's so good that he humbled my proud heart so he can give me an overflow of grace. And I love him for that. That's why these songs wrecked me so much because I, I know what I was. I know what I was. And I know what I deserve, right? And I see Jesus. I say, Jesus, you're beautiful. No wonder why you're the desire of the nations. I don't, no wonder why there's testimony after testimony, even sitting here in this room, and the testimony is the same. And throughout history, the testimony remains the same. He's beautiful. He's beautiful, and his gospel remains. His gospel remains powerful, and it will continue to transform lives until he comes back. So I love the secret place. That's not what my message is about. That was yesterday. <laughs> there comes a point where you rise out of that secret place. And the Lord has made you to conquer mountains around you. See, Jesus went up the mountain to be with his father. So that when he came down the mountain, he could move mountains. Right? And, and sometimes we at the church were so self-grown. Like we're ingrown and we so focus on ourselves that we forget that there's a world around us. We forget that our neighbor, we forget about our neighbor. We forget that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That the world is looking for answers just like you were looking for answers. And you don't have to do like. Okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. But you don't have to have a Ph.D. in biblical theology, right? I'm not against academia. I think you should go for it. But I'm saying your qualification is that Jesus is inside of you. So if you rededicated your life to the Lord, then guess what? You are qualified for the race. And I believe that there's this shift that, that is coming to the church church-wide. 
where the Lord is shaking everything that can be shaken and saying it's go time, right? It's time for your foundation to be the secret place, but out of that secret place, I want you to encounter the world with my glory. You are equipped for everything according to God, uh, uh, to life and godliness. You're equipped for everything. I will give it all to you. But don't hold it with inside of you because then you'll just be fat. If you do nothing but feast, right, at the feast, <laughs> that's why I love we're doing this community thing tomorrow, this community outreach tomorrow. If we do nothing but feast, we'll get fat as the body. But if we put feet to our faith and we actually act like the answer that the world is looking for, then guess what? Vermont doesn't know what's coming. There's an army that's arising, and I'm looking at it. Each and every single one of you has the anointing of the Holy Spirit. My anointing is not more stronger than your anointing. You're anointed. You're anointed. You are appointed for this time. You're breathing this air for such a time as this. The Lord has raised you up, put Christ in you so that Christ could come out of you. I was thinking about this scripture in, in Luke 4. I think the theme has been secret place, secret place. I feel like the out of this shaky ground that we've been in since 2020 has happened, and we can all just agree that it's been a rough year. <laughs> Amen? It's okay to say that. It's not okay to just see that it's rough. It's not okay to just have a paradigm that the world's just going to hell, and so why not just charge out the credit cards, and who cares anymore? That's not okay. The Lord is saying, in darkness, light is brightest. What good is light if there's no darkness to shine in? If I, if I light a lighter right now, it's not going to light up anything. But if you turn off the lights, then guess what? That light is shines bright, and it makes way. And I feel like the Lord is, is breathing on the embers of our hearts saying, don't forget the secret place, because that's where your heart will be on fire. But I'm sitting it on fire for a purpose. It's attached to a purpose. You're not just there to burn for yourself. You're not just there to have the title of a burning Christian. You're there to set others on fire. You're there to really to, re, to, to introduce the world to the all-consuming fire called Jesus. Because if you don't do it, then no one will. No one will. And so for so long we depend upon the, the preacher or the priest or the teacher or, or whoever. And we say, God... Make them do it. And the Lord say, no, you are my body. You are my body. You are my the anointed ones. I live inside of you so that I could be revealed to the, the world around you. So that you're in your daily job, Jesus is oozing out of you because you've been with him. Isn't that what they said about uh, the disciples in the book of Acts? They've been with him. They've been with him. I believe they weren't just talking about they were walking with they they once walked with him. 
I believe they continued to be with him even after he ascended on high. They, they had continued to corporately be with him. And so when the, they encountered the Sadducees and Pharisees, they said, man, there's still that glow upon him. They've been with him. It's from the secret place to the world. It's, it's from the mountain. What, what would have happened if Jesus just stayed upon the mountain and just was with his father? Would it, would it even have impacted the world? Would it even have made a difference that he that he came the first time if he just stayed up on the mountain? Jesus was showing us a model with this life. He's saying, go up to the mountain. Be with the Father. But once you're with the Father, now it's time to encounter the, the world around you. Yeah. Amen. 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 I'm about, I'm about to bring it, Samuel. got to love the children. It's, it's, it's funny. He gives you a really good picture of what it must have been like with like the children just hogpiling Jesus and just running around the sanctuary and the disciples are like, just settle, settle down. And Jesus like, it's, it's okay. I love them. I love, I love the little Samuels and the children. Let them come. It's beautiful. There's this moment in Luke 4, verse 20. Oh, I'm sorry. Back up. Verse 15. Luke 4, 15. And he says, He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had brought up, uh, had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read and he was handed the the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all of who uh, all, uh, the eyes of all who were in the synagogues were fixed on him and he began to say to them today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing Bob Sorge in your hearing so get this. So all bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words. All right, we're going to pause there. I know there's the rest of the verse, but we'll pause there. So here we have Jesus. What would it be? What would have been like to have the living word? John 1 it says that he was the living word. He was the word made flesh. I just want to pause for a second. Just Think about this for a second. Not 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 just scan through and, and 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 be too hasty. We have the living word, Jesus, the word made flesh, reading the written word. The living word is reading the written word. 
If that's not Rama, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what is. If that is not a word set forth from the mouth of God to the hearers, I don't know what is. Something that happens. I, I, I always ask the Lord. I say, God, let the living word reveal the written word to my heart. Just like on the road to Emmaus, he walked them through the scripture. The resurrected Jesus walked them through the scriptures. And, and then he disappeared, right? And the, the, the two disciples on the road of Emmaus were so impressed when he disappeared. They didn't even just talk about his disappearance. That would be the I would think that would be the first thing I'd talk about. He just went. Like, where did he go? Like, it, what's going on? The first things out of their mouth were, was, did our hearts not burn within us when he spoke to us the scripture? The scripture. They said the number one thing that alarmed us was our hearts were burning as this man explained the scriptures to us. My beloved, there is a burning heart. There's another level of burning hearts at, in our devotional time. And it's when the written words, it's when the living word declares the written word to our hearts. Amen? So the living word literally proclaims this, this verse, this amazing passage in Isaiah 61. And he closes the book and he says, I tell you today, this scripture is fulfilled. And it's all about the outward expression of the gospel coming and restoring all things. And you saw in Jesus' life, in the first half of the next scripture, it says, all who born witness to him marveled at his gracious word. So you had half the room hear the rhema word, and they responded with faith. You could almost, they, they, they felt the, the life and the grace in his word, uh, in his words, as he's declaring the word, and they're like, "This is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61." And it's like, it's like their hearts are like, "Yes, Lord." And watch this: the rest of the verse. And they said, "Is this not Joseph's son?" Is this not Joseph's son? And familiarity with Jesus made them look at Jesus, and they're like, so you, if you could just picture this with me, they're like, this could be the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. And then their neighbor says, well, isn't that just Joseph, the carpenter's son? I mean, he is from Nazareth. We know where he comes from. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. What was I thinking? I think. And they look at Jesus through a natural lens, and it was there where it says that he couldn't do many miracles because he wasn't received as such. I feel like that's what we do in the body of Christ. We get encouraged with messages like this. We say, yes, Lord, I do have authority. I do have authority to heal the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead. But then the mind starts going, and we say, but aren't you who you are and we get dumbed down by life in a, an identity that Jesus didn't put on you and Jesus is not declaring over you 
and we start believing the voices over the anointing. And I believe for a long time that the body's been held down by these voices of familiarity with each other and with ourselves. And it is time to break free. It's time to break free from those voices and realize whose you are and who you are. Because you are a force to be reckoned with. The, the reason why the mind games are even going is because the enemy is shaking in his, in his boots because of the anointing and the Christ that you carry. You guys hearing me or are you guys hearing the, 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 the Nazareth voice? <laughs> Come on, can I preach at you a little bit? I want to, I, one of my callings, I, I, I know, I, I love you guys. Hear, hear me, I love you guys. I, one of my callings is to empower the body of Christ to do the works of the ministry. I, I, it would be a failure if we lived out tomorrow at this community outreach and no one reached out. Can I, can I say that? Can I, I'll say that again. It would be a failure if we just did the games and we just coexisted with the community and just gave them a nice time and no one saw a Christian. No one saw a little Christ-like one. They just saw another event. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5. He said, you are the light of the world. That's the identity. That's identity. He says you are. Not try to be the light of the world. Try to produce light in your life. He says you are the light of the world. Let's turn there for a second. Matthew 5. Come on. Come on. Verse 14. 5 verse 14. Matthew 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is on the hill cannot be hidden. So you cannot be hidden. Your light cannot be hidden. The Christ in you is evident to all. Because you believe in the gospel, Jesus lives inside of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says this. Do you not know? What was the temple, Kevin? But the symbol of Israel to the rest of the nations, that's where God meets Israel. That's the symbol. That's where God comes and encounters his people. There's a holy of holies in that temple. There's a veil in that temple. And I heard that anything unholy dies in the holy of holies. There's, there's a place of encounter in that, in that temple. And Paul would flip it to the New, New Testament, New Covenant people of God. Saying, don't you know that you are the new temple of God? That you are an encounter waiting to happen? Don't you know that you are a temple of the living God? Why, why did he say in the question form? Because they must have forgotten that they were a temple. They must have forgotten how much of an encounter they really were. I feel like Jesus is shouting from the rooftops to the church today. And I'm saying church as in a general generalized church of the nation. 
Do you not know that you are a temple of encounter waiting to happen? The world is searching for answers. You don't have to look far for for someone that's searching for an answer. I don't know what's going on. Could you imagine going through this time and this season without Jesus and without any answer? We think it's turmoil with us. We think it's shaking with us. Jesus is shaking the whole earth. And right now, people are looking for answers. And the answer dwells inside of you. The answer is not bring them to my message so they can hear a good message. The answer is inside of you. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Say, I'm not a basket head. (laughs) But on a lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. It's verse 16. So therefore, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the, the fruit of light is shine. It's the rays of the light. And Jesus said, this is not an issue of you becoming light. You are light. You are the light of the world. If you're in me and I'm in you, then you are the light of the world. There's no other light. There's no other answer. Everybody say that with me. There's no other answer. I am the light of the world. (laughs) And it's not this little light of mine. That's a lie. (laughs) Come on, it's not this little light of mine and and big principalities and powers. Okay, I'm going to turn over a couple... uh, golden calves here we just got done singing that he's the matchless God and you're going to tell me that the darkness around me is greater than the light within me that sounds a little unbiblical to me you're going to tell me that the principalities of Vermont are not scared of the Holy Spirit within me I tell you the truth, my friends. It's not this little light of mine. It's big, bad Holy Spirit. And he's busting through the gates. And he's taking back what's rightfully his through his church. Come on. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm, I want to get someone saved tomorrow. So light shines. And he says, therefore, the issue is your shining. He says, therefore, since you are light, let your light so shine before men, not for their, their applause, so that they would applaud heaven. Let their light, your light so shine before men that it glorifies the, the Father. Meaning, it awakens people to what the Father's light. Jesus said in John, I'm the light of the world as long as I'm in the world. He was the light of the world. Everything he did it glorified the Father. See, the, the world was absent of the revelation of the Father until he came. Jesus came as God in the flesh. And everything he spoke and everything he did revealed the Father. And you either had to run away in unbelief, or you had a revelation of the Father and your spirit man was awakened to what the Father was. And he placed that light within inside every single believer so that we should that we would shine therefore. 
says that, that the world around us, by the fruit of our lives, would consume the fruit of the revelation of the Father. So in faith, man, every word that I give to someone, if I give it out of that place of faith, knowing that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, it's all about this perspective shift. I want to tell you a story real quick. So there was, I've been laboring for revival for a long time, according to me. but not a long time according to some of the people that have been that, that are in this room that have labored for a revival probably uh, longer than I've been alive. But the Lord, when I had that encounter with the Lord, it awakened this, this thing with inside of me. I didn't even have language for it. But I looked at people and I said, if only they encountered what I encountered, they would turn their hearts to him no matter what. They, like, like, no problem. So it, 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 it began this hunger and thirst for revival, for awakening, that there would be geographical locations where there would be a hovering of the Holy Spirit and he would literally download revelation. God is real. God is real, no matter in, in whatever vehicle he wanted to use. So I joined up with the prayer movement. You want revival? What preceded every revival is a prayer, prayer movement. So I joined myself to the prayer movement because I want to see revival. And it just I, I prayed, and my one of my spiritual fathers is uh, Lou Engle, right? And I'm praying, and I'm praying. The Lord sent me to New England. I match up with some crazy revivalist Jesus people. <laughs> and I, I, I hook onto that train. I said, let's go for it. And <clears throat> it was like in my mind, I pictured that one day we would have revival and an awakening and I, I was in the house of prayer. God, send revival. God, send revival. God, awaken people's hearts. Then I met this guy named Todd White. <laughs> and he completely turned my world upside down again. Because I, I thought revival was going to come in my own way. It's almost like the way the Jewish people just assumed the way Jesus came in the flesh. Or came, like the Messiah was going to come. But it, it was like I assumed the revival was going to come in this certain way. I had my 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 structure. And, and how many of you know, whenever you create a structure for God, he tends to just say, I'm in charge. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll just dwell inside of you. <laughs> how about that? So this pastor friend of mine, <clears throat> I didn't know who Todd White was. He's And uh, he's like, um, would you mind just escorting this guy for like three days? His name's Todd White. You're gonna really love this dude because everybody knows my reputation. Like I just, you know, I just like there's no. This is who I am on the mic or off the mic. This is who I am. I don't I don't want any other Seth. <laughs> and I'm goofy. Like you'll get a goofy side of me too. But there's not many levels in between. <laughs> So he's like, you're going to like this guy. So he's like, look him up on, on uh, YouTube. And I was like, ah, I, maybe I will. And I procrastinated until like the very last day. And I looked him up. And this guy is walking in a, such a level of healing anointing, just walking through the streets of L.A. and, and Las Vegas. And you're, you're seeing just healing happen. And I'm like, is this guy for real? 
and lo and behold, I'm picking him up from the airport, and here's this guy with long dreadlocks, and I'm pulling up, and he's literally praying for people as I'm as I'm pulling up to the airport, and I'm like, this guy's for real. <laughs> so I mean, because sometimes ministers put on a front. Can we say that? <laughs> sometimes ministers want to make you feel like they're here, and it's hogwash. <laughs> I want the real thing. I want the real thing. I don't want. I don't want imitation. I don't want shake and bake. I want the real chicken. <laughs> Give me the real thing. <laughs> Can I not the rubber chicken? Amen, Samuel. I want the real chicken. Give me the meat. So I get to spend three days with this guy, and it's three days of adventure. I'm literally witnessing Todd White praying for these people everywhere we go. We he ends up having me take him to Planet Fitness because he's like a fitness guy. But in the gym, he's praying for people every single day. And just there's tears and encounter. And I'm, I'm like, wow. Wow, this is amazing. Here I am. I'm laboring for Bangor, Maine for years. Right? And I, there was this one girl I could remember in particular. And he's given this prophetic word to her. And he's reading her mail. And she's weeping. And you could tell this girl's rough around her edges. She's been through a lot. She has a past. And she looks with these eyes filled with tears and heart tender towards the Lord. And she looks at him and says, Bangor needs one of you. And it struck my heart. Because what I heard was, the earth is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. And, and something clicked inside of me and said, what about me? The same Holy Spirit that dwells in Todd dwells in me. I meet with him every day. What if I just didn't wear my church clothes on Sunday, but I just wore them all the time? And so like a madman, I just start praying for everybody I can lay my hands on. And this outbreak of healing starts happening. It wasn't like I was zapped with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like I was electrified that something spiritual happened. I just said, yes, I'm going to start praying. The first sign of a believer is that they laid their hands on somebody. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. The first sign of a believer is that you actually lay your hand on someone. How, when's the last time you laid your hand on someone that's not in, in church? Come on, when's the last time? I don't say that to shame anyone. I want to provoke you to action. I want to, I want to shift this thing in the church. I, I want to silence that voice that says, Oh, he's just the guy from Nazareth. You're not just the guy from Nazareth. Jesus placed the light inside of you so that the light would shine in the world and the world would benefit from its fruit of knowing its Father. We've been given this ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Not imputing the world's transgressions against itself, but bringing them, reconciling them back to the Father. The Father is aching for more sons and more daughters. And guess what? It doesn't have to be fireworks all the time. You don't have to knock it out of the, out of the park all the time. 
Sometimes it's, it's, it's just, okay, let me just say this. By the first, so I was riding with Todd White, and my first person that I, I prayed or offered a word to, it was as simple as this. I went to go get my gas, right? And I was just in my own world because that's, that's what, I don't know about you, that's what prevents me from, from engaging the world around me. I, I'm just in my own world. I'm in my own box. I'm in my own comfort zone. And I don't like getting out of my comfort zone. It's, it's uncomfortable. But I guarantee you, it, when I do get out of my comfort zone, when I do take those steps out of my comfort zone, life gets a lot more fun and interesting. And you have some, you'll have something to show for your life rather than just a 9-to-5 job at the end. So I'm getting gas. I'm in my own world. I pay the, the gas attendant, and I'm about to walk out the door, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, tell her that I love her. Simple. So simple. I turned around and said, okay, Todd White. <laughs> what would Todd White do? And I said, I looked her right in the eye. I just want to let you know Jesus loves you so much. And I, and, I, and I said, no, no, for real. I know you've probably heard this a, a, a thousand times. He just told me to tell you, he loves you so much. He loves you. He paid the highest price for you. You're his daughter. She starts weeping. Because when our words are endorsed by the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's coming from that place of faith, knowing this is not my words. I'm not just explaining some knowledge to them. I know my words are spirit and life because his words were spirit and life. And he told me to speak this to her. She starts weeping. So beautiful. I was, can I tell you a couple couple more stories? I uh, was work. I, I worked construction for a long time doing paint work. And uh, <clears throat> there, when you're in construction for a while, you tend to learn some of the different carpenters. And there was this one carpenter that was so, like, hard. Like, me, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to, what you see is what you get. Like, I'm going to just shine Jesus wherever I go. I have this philosophy. It, you know, as much as you you um, push the world in my face, I'm going to push Jesus just as strongly back to you. So if you're going to tell me about your party and, like, every, all the girls and everything like that, I'm going to just say, praise the Lord Jesus. Guess what? I saw a radical healing last night. I'm just going you know, to. <laughs> that's my party, right? now. <laughs> but it's real, right? It's real. It's who I am. And people see through the fake and through the real, and they actually respect me more for being real and being who I was. So there was this one gentleman. He wasn't really a gentleman. He used the F word more than I could count. And uh, he was a pastor's son falling away, and he had a horrible story uh, falling away from the church and uh, he'd always mock me. He'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And I'd just jab him right back. Like, <laughs> like just, you know, praise the Lord Jesus. Feed me to the lions, whatever. And I just would go with him. Well, there was this one job we were working on uh, ourselves, just, just the two of us. And I noticed that this man starts asking me pointed questions about Christianity with a non-mocking voice. I'm like, could it be that he's 
he's actually asking me questions. So he's asking me questions about baptism. He's asking me questions about the, and and as we're talking, I could feel his hunger increase and increase and increase, until at the very end of our conversation, as I'm speaking words of life over him through conversation, and I'm letting my light so shine before him, and he goes, he goes, that's what I need. I need holy desperation, and I said, I said, can I take my hand? I'm going to pray for you right now. I take his hand, I say, in Jesus' name, I pray you baptize him in your love and your affection, Jesus, right now. And I start hearing this, these huge drops. And we were doing drywall in the other room. And I thought it was drywall mud hitting the ground. It sounded like there's huge drops. And I looked down, and it's his tears. These huge drops of tears are hitting the ground. And he goes, holy beep. It was the holiest beep I've ever heard. (laughs) And he grabs me, and he starts weeping, this burly, sweaty man. And, like, I clicked back into my mind, and I say, oh, my gosh. I get to be your arms. Oh, my gosh, this is so intimate. And oh, oh, oh my gosh. Let your light so shine before men that they see your your good deeds and they glorify. Get awakened to the loving Father. I'll tell you one more story. It was around Halloween time and I was a security guard at Macy's. I was uh, I was security guard at night, and I was um, I was um, substitute teacher by day, <laughs> the day in life of a minister, right? <laughs> and I was I was both a uh, mall cop and uh, the uh, school of rock, <laughs> right? Right? <clears throat> and um, and I would break the rules all the time and tell students about Jesus. I was like, what are you going to do, take away my $60 a day? Like, like, I'll tell them about Jesus right now. And so, like, one of my strategies is I, I, I like to tell testimonies to the world about what Jesus did because it kind of gets the conversation. It kind of gives me a little feeler of where they're at. Okay, so just a little practical. As I tell these stories, I don't want to just show off. I want to give you, like, a little practical wisdom. If you choose to step out, I believe some of you guys, after tonight, will step out. In fact, I want to give you a challenge tonight that each of us would get out of our comfort zone and actually pray for at least one person tomorrow that that we don't know. Can we do that? I I feel the uncomfortable uh, comfortability in the room, but it's okay. Let's just let it let it linger a little bit. Get comfortable in your uncomfortability. Come on, how do you get into a, an ice bath without easing in and just, ah, 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 okay, I can do this, I can do this. That's what you got to do, right? Get comfortable with your uncomfortability because it's, it's going to happen again and again and again. It's going to be fun. So the objective is not healing. The objective is not con- uh, being a convert or like getting converts, right? The objective is love. 
if you make that the objective, then you will not sin against love. And you, you will not violate people's wills because the Father doesn't violate people's wills. You offer them the gospel. You offer them your love. You offer them your prayers. You offer them your giftings and prophecies. No holds bar. But you do it out of love. You don't force it down their throat. You do it because the person that sits in front of you is made in the image of God and you believe that God has put you there to reconcile them back to the Father. So love does not fail. Love doesn't fail. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says. And, and your Father is love. God is love. So if you offer your love to them and, and let them know how valuable they are, in fact, Heaven went bankrupt for them. Heaven went bankrupt and set the very best. It sent the Son upon the cross so that he, they would know that he died for their sins, right? And the gospel doesn't fail because they, they, they feel the spirit in life. Love is the objective. If you accomplish that, you've placed that, you planted the seed. So, I'm the security guard at Macy's. And I, I'm i telling this testimony to uh, a couple Macy's associates, and I'm talking about this guy who got his shoulder completely healed. And this this gentleman that I was telling him to, he's like totally getting into the story. He's like, really? Like his, his shoulder didn't hurt? Like did they do an x-ray and like everything like that? And this, this lady, it was about Halloween time, She's completely dressed up like a witch. And she goes, well, I wish God could heal my hands, my cancer. And I just got like, you have cancer? She goes, yeah, I have, I have uh, stage four cancer on my ovaries. I said, that's not allowed. And, I, and, and it doesn't matter if they're unbeliever. You're a believer. And these signs will follow those who believe, right? They shall lay their hands on the sick, right? And so... I say, I just have this word of knowledge. And I said, I just feel like you've been abused and there's unforgiveness in your heart. And she starts weeping. She goes, I was abused by my ex-husband. He abused me every single night. And I just have this hatred towards him. And, and I said, well, well that, that hatred is actually poisoning you. It's actually poisoning you. And it's opening the door to all these different things. And I said, I said, are you willing to forgive him? And she goes, I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to forgive him. I said, yeah, that's right. You don't know how to forgive them because you've never been forgiven. I said, here's how you can forgive. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross and died a, a torturous death and rose from the, the grave that you could be forgiven if you just believe it. You'd really do that? Oh, yeah, he did that. He saved my life. All right, right. Let's, let's pray. We, I walked her through uh, the salvation message, walked her through uh, just forgiveness. She came back to me the next week with just jumping and tears, and she goes, I went to the doctor for my weekly checkup. The cancer is completely gone. They can't find it. She goes, I went home and bawled my eyes out. 
person is that good. Can we stand to our feet? You are the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. Let's just declare that together. I am the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. The reason why Jesus lives inside of me is not only to forgive me, is not only because he loves me, but that he loves the world around me. And he wants to encounter the world around me. The the equation is this. Freely you've received, so freely you will give. And you don't ever say that you don't have anything to give. Because if you have received from the gospel, if you've received his love, if you've received his healing, if you've received even a prophetic word, then guess what? There's been a deposit, and the Lord says, it's time to make a deposit. It's time to make a deposit in the next person. You have what it takes. You have the glory dwelling on the inside of you. The first sign of a believer is what? Laying on of hands. If we could have someone get jump on the keys. I just want to activate the group. And I, I want to I want us to pray for the sick, but it's not going to be the preacher praying for the sick because I feel like we're de- too dependent on the man of God for that. Because the truth is, you are men of God, and you are women of God. And I want to empower you to believe that healing dwells within your hands. Right? It's not waiting to happen. It's not one day you will be a healer. It's right now. It's right now. It's it's just like I was with Todd White. I thought thought it was going to be a day where I'd have a download, and then I'd be released. And... The Lord says, no, I've just given you permission. I, just, I want to encounter people more than you do. I want to heal people more than you do. It's about me. It's about my great name. So go. Go, therefore. Right? As the music begins, and you, need, you have need of healing in your body, I want you to, and you want prayer, I want you to raise your hand. Could be anything. Could be back pain. I felt like the Lord was going to heal back pain tonight. Could be uh, a bad knee. It could be uh, something internal. If you have need of healing, just go ahead and raise your hand up high. And the rest of the church, I want you to surround those who have their hands raised. Go ahead, keep your hand raised. Because you're such an important part of this. 
All right. Go ahead.